Hey, what's up? I'm Ryan, host of Best Seat in the House, which is your source for Indian alternative music buzz. You're listening to The Concession Stand. You're listening to The Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games. Don't let your geek flag fly with your host, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the concession stand. This is episode number 37. I am your host, Nick Howell. Joining me from somewhere on the other side of the world is Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, yes, I am on the other side of the world. We're still nine hours apart. I was glad we got one in last week. I'm excited to do another one this week. Plenty to talk about. But here we are, episode 37. That's a tough one, right? We're getting into numbers that are really tough until we start getting in the 40s for football. But uh, 37, I'm going to go with a hockey player. Shocker. Uh, we are the, Yeah, we are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I'm going to say that one of the most underappreciated uh, centers in the entire NHL right now is Patrice Bergeron from the Boston Bruins. He wears number 37. He's one of the best two-way players, one of the best defensive forwards I've ever seen. And to that, I must give him a stone-cold salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Well, Boston wishes they were in it this time of year. Hey, uh, you know what I watched this week uh, in some of my downtime? Did you ever see Nice Guys with uh, Russell Crowe and uh, Ryan Gosling? I did, I did, and I, I was kind of. It deserves another viewing. It was a really, really good film to me, but I didn't love it as much as people are gushing over it. I just, I thought it was just quirky, and I was in stitches laughing by myself watching this thing. It just. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd had it in my must-watch list for a number of months, and it just kind of came across my iTunes. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll watch it," and I just absolutely enjoyed it. It's got a, it's got a cool like old '70s LA feel to it, and uh, Shane Black, you know, you can't go wrong with him. It's not very action-packed, but there's just some weird, quirky relationships in the movie, and you and you kind of root for all the characters in it. And uh, I had a really good time with it. Yes, I know this is a late review, almost a year late from when the movie came out, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad I finally watched it. So yeah, yeah, give it another it shot. Had, give it another shot. It had a bit of a kiss, kiss, bang, bang feel vibe to it, which very yeah. Shane Black. So uh, that part I remember feeling enormously throughout the whole thing. But uh, no, that's just kind of signature Shane Black. Even the look of the film uh, was kind of right up his alley as well. Yeah, I uh, I also am two episodes away from being done with uh, the Expanse uh, for season two, um, and it just gets better and better as it goes. Again, I'll recommend that to you to watch it. And yeah, what about you? What are you? What are you? What's going on back in the world where people actually watch shows and movies and stuff? Because here it just doesn't happen. Well, I powered through the uh, the latest season of House of Cards, and what I can tell people is, if you haven't seen it yet, it is a lot better than the last two seasons. So uh, it goes back to kind of what the first and the magic that the first and second season brought to the table has some interesting twists, as it always does. But it's uh, it's really worth watching. Um, I did finally catch up with the early 2017 action films. I saw Logan. Oh, good. Uh, which I fan just, it's hard not to love that film. Oh, it yeah. is, it, the ending is gut wrenching and, yep. you know, you're just a miserable, just hardcore man crying at the end because it's, it's Wolverine and, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Just, just kidding. It's been out forever. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, yeah, spoiler, he dies. Yeah. Three months later. Get over yourself. <laughs> and, and the whole thing with her taking his when when they bury him and taking oh. the cross and rolling it over to an X and then yep. fading to black and a, no, uh-huh. <laughs> I literally stood up 
just man crying uh, and yeah. got really upset. It screamed at the TV. Uh, yeah. I was not expecting that at all. And and good for people not spoiling that that had seen it. So thank you for holding on to that and, uh, and letting me experience that raw. Didn't you just uh, love getting to see Wolverine be Wolverine, though, finally, and ripping people apart and blood flying everywhere? Wasn't that cool to just finally see on the screen? Absolutely. I thought the F-bombs got a little out of control, and it was a bit much. And it felt forced a couple of times, but I don't really care uh, about that too much but it felt like hey we got an r rating let's let's throw some f-bombs around for the for the fuck of it right um i also saw uh john wick 2 yes i am gonna go out on a limb and and just for the record say that the two john wick movies i hope they make more of them but the two that we have are gonna go down in pop culture legend of the best action films of this kind of modern generation that we're in right now. You know, we, we grew up with the eighties and nineties, early nineties action films that are part of our lore and legend. One guy versus the world, which this kind of is too. Absolutely. And just, you know, one guy against the whole of the mob, you know, all of that stuff. And I mean, the gunplay, the him doing all of the Aikido and Kung Fu stuff is just, it's top notch. We just don't have anything like that coming out that's not a reboot and that just doesn't suck. But, I mean, just this is top-notch filmmaking right here. We don't have anything coming out except for Atomic Blonde, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. But, yes, you're right. Uh, those those truly do stand uh, on their own. And, man, wouldn't you agree this one like had all the, the fun and like action of the first one, but everything was just bigger and like it, it was step up, you know? But the story is still kind of the same. He has to go reluctantly take out everybody, even though he doesn't want to, and has to put on the, the suit and tie and get all the guns. But, man, that movie was good. I loved it. I, and I loved that part of it as much as I did the actual action. I love how I'm here for a tasting, and he, it, it's a display of guns and trying yeah. them all out. And oh, yeah. Just the expertise that Keanu Reeves showed in everything that he did from the driving and the stunts and the guns and the fighting, just everything. Uh, and and to see his dedication and just just completely selling out and giving it all to the role, I, I cannot applaud that movie any more than I possibly can. And they're just so well made. They're so well shot, well choreographed. Everything about them, like you said, is just fantastic. So if you haven't seen them, they are both available. Logan and John Wick are both available on iTunes. I've already bought both of them. Uh, what else did you do? You did some uh, you did some guest work this weekend on some of our uh, other podcast friend shows, huh? I did. So we're uh, we've kind of become you know uh, bros from a, brothers from another mother, whatever you want to call it. Kind of uh, one of our friend shows. See, here's the thing. Oh, they're great. Definitely check those. Uh, Kate and Patrick. Uh, I got to guest spot on the, their show, which will be coming out. We're recording on a Sunday, so it'll be tomorrow, Monday. Uh, that that will be available. So we'll definitely put a link up in the show notes for uh, to go check that out. Um, had a blast with those guys. They're fantastic, and I I feel like that that's going to be that's going to turn into a long running friendship. So hi Kate, hi Patrick. Had a lot of fun, and we'll be sure to get Andy back on for a uh, a Star Wars special. <laughs> yeah, they talked. The to, they, she said that on Facebook. Just like, oh, we're gonna we have you in mind for a Star Wars episode. We should probably tell her I've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, that's, that's not true that's at not all. That's not true at all. That's not true. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear it. I'm glad we have new podcast friends. We're looking for plenty more. So uh, this little community that we have that we've sort of expanded to meet and get to know some of the other people online, man, this has just been kind of fun to share this experience with everybody else. So uh, more power to everybody, and let's just keep doing it, huh? Yeah. Also, we got a new review, by the way. I wanted to give a shout-out to Fev. Fevcalade eleven. I'm not really sure. Forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that right. Cafe uh, five star. 
<laughs> we had to sneak one in. <laughs> Sorry. Really funny, insightful podcast from Nick and Andy. Highly recommend you check out this show. Uh, thanks, man. That is uh, that just assuming you're male. Uh, I'm, I'm making an assumption there. Uh, thank you very much for that review. Uh, we love hearing that kind of feedback. Guys, leave us a review. Come check us out on Facebook and uh, leave us your comments, and maybe we'll read them here on the show. Hey, before we move on, I would like you to maybe plug the new website design you've been spending so much time on. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Um, yeah, orbitaljigsaw.com has gone through a ground-up rebuild. And what we are doing is, while Concession Stand is kind of the flagship show of the new network, Orbital Jigsaw is the parent umbrella. Think of it as the, 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 just the network that we're going to be doing. So well, what we're, we've spent probably the last three to six months just overhauling this completely from the ground up to stage it to host multiple podcasts and be a one-stop shop. Uh, if you think about Podcast One or any of those other big major networks, think of us as a startup version of that. So we've got a few shows that are going to be coming online here in the next two to three months. Uh, we hope to have a, you know a variety of ten different shows by the end of 2017 or in the next six months. So awesome. a lot of work yet to do uh, for the site and bringing new content online for you guys. But uh, we'll definitely keep the concession stand going for sure. Yes. Uh, great job on that. Yeah. I, I took a look at what you've done and it's, it's really quite, quite impressive. So, uh, I'm proud to just have my name on that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, yes. Yeah, so if you get a chance, check out orbitaljigsaw.com. But until then, why don't we get into some TV and movies? Andy, I think Hollywood is uh, running out of eighties movies to reboot. Probably reboot city. <laughs> reboot city. <laughs> Remember that from last week? Yes. Uh, so E.T., Tootsie, and Rain Man are literally the only 80s films that have not had some sort of reboot, <laughs> prequel, or Did you, you find know, that sequel. somewhere? That doesn't seem right, but okay. I, Go ahead. I did. I did. There was an article <laughs> that specifically called those out. I forget the source, but uh, yeah, those three films are like the only major blockbuster films or successful films from the 80s that have not had any sort of one of those treatments. Huh. I, I Okay. I mean, they've... I don't know of any of them that have done that well. And and I think that's really why I wanted to call this out and good point. The, the have have can you think of any one of those reboots, prequels, sequels, whatever they are from any of those um that have been treatments from any of those previous films from 30 years ago that have actually done well in the modern box office? I can't. I can't. Uh Ghostbusters is the one that most comes to mind most recently. That didn't do well. I don't know if you can call these alien movies reboots. They're not really reboots. Um, Bond movies don't count. Yeah, like, nothing jumps out of me. I'm sure somebody's going to be like, but what about? And they'll think of something that we haven't. But- well, uh, we've been living in the, the last 10 or so years have kind of been highlighted by these reboots and blockbuster treatments of comic movies and book adaptations and things like that. But yeah. I think that a lot of people will quickly jump to, well, that's because there's no more original ideas anymore. And I don't want to hear that because no. Sharknado 5 <laughs> just got greenlit. Okay? Oh, you're, you're greenlighting a fifth named Make America Bait Again. Really? Is that what it's called? Is that that's what it's called? Tag, that's the tagline for Sharknado 5. All right? Make America and Bait Again. That's make awesome. Make America Bait Again, as in fish bait, shark bait, whatever. But that just got greenlit. So that implies to me that there is some adventurous spending still willing to be done out there. Now, granted, it's Ian Zierling and or Ian Zierling or however the hell he says his name and Tara Reid reprising their roles. But they're going to have like 
20 different celebrity cameo. I mean, Tony Hawk is going to be in this one. Great. I mean, so. I still haven't I'm, seen well, any of them. I haven't either. And I, frankly, I, I, could, I couldn't care less because I'd rather watch Logan and John Wick 2 again. Yeah. But my point stands is that we need to promote original content not continue to shun it, not continue to rely on these reboots and, and all of this other stuff that's going on. Because I don't think anybody gives a shit, if I'm being honest. Studios are going to go with the, sh- uh, the sure thing in most cases, right? It, it's every now and then that you get a Get Out, which is an original idea that does really well, or a John Wick or a John Wick 2. Granted, with those two movies, you have a big star attached, but um, those did well financially. Those are original ideas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything that's coming out in the next couple of weeks, I mean, Wonder Woman just came out, not original mummy. That's a universal monster pirates of the Caribbean. That was another sequel. The week before that it was uh, alien, right? These are all preexisting properties. It's interesting that you brought those up because, uh, I wanted to call attention to the Memorial day weekend that we just had, uh, last weekend. Uh, normally a big four day holiday weekend like that, where everybody's off. Uh, especially here in America, it's a big weekend for domestic, kind of the gateway to the summer is, is how it's referred to in, in the studio world. But it had the lowest box office since 1999. And hmm. I have to ask myself, why? In, well, in today's world of CG and all of these great movies and 2017, we looked at the slate. We've been looking at it for weeks now. It's it's just lined up weekend after weekend with big movie, big movie, big movie. It it had the lowest box office haul from 1999. And I'm wondering, I'm anxious to hear your opinion on this. I'm wondering if this has to do with kind of the, are people just, are they tired of spending 20 bucks a person on a ticket at a movie every single weekend? Does it just run out at some point? Um, I think part of it is what you talked about last week. Um, where you said that those two movies, the two big ones were Pirates and Baywatch, and that those two would sort of cannibalize each other as far as the box office goes. Granted, uh, that doesn't really apply to what you're saying here because overall the numbers were down. Whether or not you went and saw Pirates or you went and saw Baywatch, apparently they didn't go see either of them. Um, And maybe that's just who cares about Baywatch and who cares about Pirates, and maybe it was the studios thinking they would be bigger than they were. But it's also maybe what you're also saying about maybe it is like, well, you know what? I'm going to wait and spend my 20 bucks next week and go see Wonder Woman. That looks a little bit better. Or maybe I'll go, you know, you fooled me with your alien movie that wasn't very good box office guys. You know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe you're onto something there. Speaking of alien, I mean, it's only pulled in $60 million so far. (sighs) And that's to put that in perspective, Wonder Woman on Friday night alone pulled in 40 million. Did you see it yet? My wife, uh, went on Thursday night and she uh, like texted me as soon as she got out of the theater it was eight in the morning here. You know, and I'm like, what are you doing up? She's like, I just saw wonder woman. It's amazing. I immediately want to go see it again. And she's not the only one, dude. Uh, this movie's pulled in 200 million globally over the weekend. And for all accounts, this is a, a, a hit. It's great. And it's sort of put DC back on the map, right? Is that what you're hearing over there? I've yet to hear a negative thing really said about the film. And it's it's going to be a game changer for DC to kind of bring them back up to a, a little bit of status. But I'm, I'm hearing great things about the performances. I'm hearing great things about the uh, the story. It is a two and a half hour film, so all the hubbub about uh, Justice League being what two and a half, two forty earlier in the year. I mean, it, this one's running in just shy of two thirty. So it, it's another long, big film uh, anthology of sorts. And I, I've yet to hear a single person say a negative thing about it after they've seen it. There's two things that, I, that I'm really excited about regarding this. Number one, the fact that DC made a movie that's apparently good and fun and heroic instead of dark and sad and brooding and stupid. 
Um, yeah. That's huge as a DC fan. But I think the other thing that we really need to think about, and I'm going to go somewhat political on this without being too political, but this is great for women. Let me just say that. Uh, that there is a female hero finally in a movie that is uh, has been, she has not had her movie forever and has always been held back and they couldn't figure it out and it's just so simple. Make a Wonder Woman movie. They did it. It's directed by a female and if anything, that should just get all kinds of women and young girls energized and especially in a time where we perhaps have a misogynist uh, uh, administration going on and women have uh, made sure that their voices are being heard. This is just a uh, proof positive that there is an audience out there for this kind of stuff like this and they need to keep making them. And with a, with a, with a haul like this over the weekend, it sounds like they're going to do it right away. Right. What I've found out in my little bit of research is that uh, they, they have not Warner brothers has not green lit the production of a sequel yet. So, I mean, there's no official thing there, but uh, Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins are both under contract with Warner Brothers to make one more film. Now, I don't know if that's above and beyond uh, anything above and beyond the stuff that's already there. I'm assuming Justice League doesn't count um, yeah. or anything beyond. So I'm assuming there's one more Wonder Woman appearance of sorts, whether it's a Wonder Woman movie or another, maybe a Justice League sequel. I don't know, but they're both still under contract for one more film. So, yeah, the other thing is, if they do make this sequel, I think I read somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they would have this movie be set in the present day, where, like, that one had, I guess, has uh, as a bit of a Captain America set in the past, we meet the hero when she started out, that got her to this point where, we, where we're at now, or, or something, is that what you read? Uh, yes, so that was the other part, was if they do do a sequel, which is inevitable, if you're going to haul in $200 million for an opening weekend, it's you're, you're going to make another one. Um, it's just a matter of when, not if. So they absolutely, Patty Jenkins has said she absolutely wants to be a part of the the sequel and that they're already talking about how they would bring it to the modern era. So I think we will, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Justice League. That's kind of where I want to leave my impression of it and then see where they go from there. Uh, But come November when we get to Justice League, I'm curious to see where they're going to leave that. And I think that'll tie directly into the other standalones that are going to come out after that. Yeah, I think the I think the interesting thing is going to be, and again, we keep talking about this movie, we haven't even seen it, so that's how exciting it is. I think it's going to be interesting to see because remember, this whole movie is a prequel to to almost the entire DC universe that we've seen up to this point, right? This all would have been before Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and all that stuff. You know, we just see that one picture in Batman v Superman of them back in the old days, and this movie apparently will tell that entire story. So, I'm excited. And uh, it apparently doesn't come out over here in Europe until the middle of June. But if I can get a chance to go see it, I'm going to right away. Do they have the big theaters and IMAX and 3D and all that stuff over I there? Just walked, uh, I just walked. Yeah, I just walked by a theater today that had all the major releases. I almost went and saw Pirates, and I just kind of was like, mm, nah, no. Was it thirty dollars to see a film? Didn't even. I didn't even look. But I'll ask uh, some of the guys that I work with went and saw it. So I'll ask them how it was. I I could not bring myself to pull the trigger to pay thirty dollars to see Wonder Woman in IMAX 3D. So I'm gonna look this week to see if there's a uh, an early showing for you know 10 bucks or less to go see it because yeah, the theater as, as big of a spectacle as that film might be in imax 3d i uh, guardians of the galaxy was worth it i don't know if wonder woman would be worth it in that in that respect so i, I just i can't make myself that's why i haven't seen it yet i, I can't make myself drop 30 bucks yeah go uh, go uh, down to the theater by me there's one that's like six dollar tuesday morning shows no by the time i drive all the way down there i will have spent 30 dollars anyway <laughs> Uh, there's uh, speaking of uh, other films. There's a fan film that's been getting attention in from the Harry Potter universe. So you may have heard of this. 
fan trailer that was made called Voldemort Origins of the Air. Now, I want to preface this conversation a little bit because this seems to be coming more and more prevalent as technology continues to advance. We have these fan films that are getting better and better and better. Well, uh, last year, earlier this year, I guess over the last couple of years, we've had this Star Trek fan film from a group called Axonar Films, and the, the film was actually called Star Trek Axonar, right? Okay. Um, they got into a huge, lengthy uh, legal battle with CBS and Paramount over using like specific costumes and languages and various images that um, they claimed were under copyright stuff, right? Although they worked it out and they settled the, that dispute, what it led to was CBS drawing up these guidelines for future Star Trek fan projects. So now the rules are fan films can't exceed 15 minutes, right? Or 30 minutes if they're digital, right? So it can't be longer than 30 minutes if you're putting it on YouTube for whatever reason. They're prohibited from using any clips from any of the Star Trek's films or series. You can't use official costumes, and you can't include the name Star Trek, and it can't be made for profit. Unless it's good, and then we'll steal the idea. I mean, come on. Let people be creative. That's my point entirely. So let's fast forward to six months later. Here we are with Voldemort and Warner Brothers. Um, fans put together a uh, uh, started doing a fan film. They approached, or they started doing a Kickstarter for it. I believe oh. they um, uh, they were approached by Warner Brothers once they got once they got wind of it. And Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, no, 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 no! You can't be doing that! No, no, no! Tom Riddle, that's a character. Blah, 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 blah." Uh, and then they saw the trailer for it and the response that the fans actually had behind it. And they're like, yeah, you can go ahead and make it, but you can't make any money doing it. Sorry. And I'm like, I'm sitting, I had the exact same response you just did. Really? Come on. You guys are rebooting and making comic movies. Somebody wants to do some original content that is actually inspired by something, I believe, uh, some Tom Riddle lore from the second Deathly Hallows uh, the last one of the second, either the last book or the second, the last book where they okay. do the Tom Riddle flashbacks, yeah, uh, cl- as to cl- as a way to close out Voldemort, um, and that's where they they were inspired from to go do this prequel of the rise of Voldemort and Tom Riddle. So I, I was excited about it, but apparently, um, I, I'm kind of curious where J.K. Rowling falls and stands on this. That was I mean, the that was that thought came to my mind too because she seems to be much more about hey, you know, I've got my money, you guys go ahead and be creative. I, even if these people had a Kickstarter uh, movement to make this thing and finish it, it's not like they're going to be able to turn around and sell it. They don't own the property, right? I don't think their exactly. intention is to, is to ever make a bunch of money out of this. And if anything, I don't know why Warner Brothers or any of these other companies are trying to shut them down. It's, it's free advertising, you know? It's like all those Star Wars fan films we've seen over the years. I mean, I don't know if Lucasfilm shut them down or not, but... You know, some of those are legendary, like the droids one or the stormtroopers one where they, they were like, it was like the cops, uh, bad boys, bad boys, you know, they did that one like back in the early 2000s. And, and like some of those things are just legendary. And if you get any sort of fame for making a thing like that, you're not make, necessarily making money off of that video. But, you know, somebody will find out like, who are the guys that did that? And then maybe they get work in the industry. Maybe it's a it's a backdoor into it. When, and what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having like original talented people get into these things and start coming up with some new ideas? Maybe we give the actual intellectual property to people who care about it like that and we won't get these crappy movies like Suicide Squad. Sorry, I'm getting angry here. <laughs> Um, I, I completely agree with all that. I just I, I want people to be able to be creative, especially in this world of technological technology and capability that we have that we've that is unprecedented. We've never had this this kind of ability before. And 
as many of these guys that are constantly getting told no day after day here in Hollywood, no, you can't write, make your script. No, you can't make your movie. No, we're not going to finance it. They're sitting around going, okay, well, what do we do now? Well, why don't we make this fan film and at least we'll have it for our reel. And then they get shut down on that too. Uh, that's that's where this really, especially if you're an LA local and you're in the, the quote the industry, you, you kind of understand where I'm coming from with that. But for people outside, you don't understand the 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 essence of no that constantly happens. You're, you're just constantly shunned. You know your script's not good enough. Know your film's not good enough. Know your thing, your music's not good enough. All of that is just constant, and it's yeah. just constantly get beaten down like that. And I, when I see something like this that's inspired off of a question of Where'd this Voldemort guy come from? We don't really know. Well, let's go figure it out. Let's make a movie about it. Yeah. God, you got to just let that go. So They do. So, Andy, you know what I'm curious about? Um, What happened to Jar Jar Binks after Star Wars? That's a fan film, maybe. Is that it? Not, nope. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am really curious what Neil Blomkamp is up to. Uh, speaking because of another guy that's done some things like fan filmy type stuff, but sure, what's he up to? I, I don't know exactly. And the latest work, look, this guy made some of the best science fiction films we have seen in the last 20 years. I want to I go on the record and say that. District 9 was fantastic. Elysium, as lauded as it was, was a fantastic film. Yeah, and I loved Matt Damon's performance. Jodie Foster's accent was questionable because it changed every five minutes. But the effects <laughs> and all of that stuff were just beautiful and brilliant. Yeah. Um, uh, and you can't take away anything from Charlotte Copley in both of those films. Sure. His performance is just night and day. That said, he was also supposed to make a new Aliens movie, and he had Sigourney Weaver attached, or at least in his pocket, mm-hmm. before Ridley stepped up and said, nope, I'm making a new trilogy off of uh, Prometheus and Covenant and whatever the third one's going to be. And so Ridley kind of <laughs> if went... If it gets no. made now. Yeah, well, right. Ridley kind of went, no, it's mine. You know, just, uh, you can't have it. And, and good for him. That's his, that's his baby. That's, that's Lucas's to Star Wars as Ridley is to Aliens. In my Why opinion. did you just turn Ridley Scott into a Looney Tunes character? But uh, never mind. Uh, go ahead, keep going. He has posted these videos, this kind of pseudo-trailer that is almost like a teaser for a bunch of different concepts. Mm-hmm. And he's just, all it is titled is Oats Studios. Oats? Like uh, Hall and Oats? Like Quaker Oats. Like Hall and Oats, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. And then he posted this question on Twitter of, uh, would, he, would people watch and buy short films on Steam as concepts for future feature films? Interesting. Future feature films. That's a new tongue twister. Um, and I've, I've just been watching this going... What the fuck is Blomkamp doing? Like, he, he feels lost. Like, what has he done since Elysium in the last five, four or five years, however long that's been? Well, he gets close to doing these big sci-fi projects. Remember, he was going to do the Halo movie, too, right? And they took oh, that away from right. him. So I, I'm at this point where I, I, I cannot wait to see what this guy does next. That video for Oat Studios is amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, go look at right. some of the CG work and the, the concepts that he's putting together. The dude has an imagination. We have to throw some credit Peter Jackson's way for sort of discovering this guy. For and sure. basically exec producing everything he, he has done so far. Because he is kind of the pride of Joburg, Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he makes really good stuff. He's a fantastic director, and I just I can't wait to see what he does next, especially for us sci-fi geeks. Let this guy make something. I don't understand why we have been shunning this guy. 
Speaking of um, guys that you want to see what they did next, uh, there's another person that we had no idea that they could do anything next because they're dead. However, there is something else coming out from J.R.R. Tolkien, which is a book released 100 years after what? After The Lord of the Rings came out or after he died? It can't be after he died. Uh, it's after he started writing it, I guess. So he started writing this in the early 1900s, early 20th century. Um, and it's, it was kind of a spinoff of the Cimmerillion, but it was, it's not. And I've, I've yet to see, I, I don't even want to try to pronounce the name of this book, but it falls on the, the, um, the same familiar premise. Uh, it's called Baron and Luthien, I believe is the, the name of it, but it's a story about a man that has a love affair with an elf. No way. In a Lord of the Rings book. that, you know? <laughs> So I was I'm sitting here wondering. I mean, Tolkien I believe was in World War One. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and did he meet like this mystical she elf uh, while he was overseas fighting in the war, and somehow just get inspired? Did he meet some beautiful lady that maybe had a little bit of a pointy profile on her ears, and then that's where he was inspired to make all of these? Hmm. I, I'm absolutely going to read the shit out of this, being the Tolkien guy that I am. But sure. I, um, I, my, my order's already in my, it's my copies on the way it's, it's already been released, but I, I absolutely can't wait to, uh, to get my hands on this. Um, I will then definitely keep my eye out for elf people over here while I'm here, uh, in case uh, I could write a book, um, about this as well. Uh, Netflix, um, is apparently canceling a bunch of shows. Uh, they got rid of sense eight. They got rid of, uh, the, the get down, um, some other things, which, uh, Marco Polo, some of their original stuff, which seems kind of strange for a, a company that just wants content, but they're canceling their own shows. Uh, but he, uh, Hastings came out and said that he wants to take more risks. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. So uh, look at the surprise hits that they've had, especially over the last you know 12 to 18 months. You had Stranger Things. Yep. That was a that was a nobody saw that coming at all, and I don't think they even saw it coming. No. Um, but it was the surprise smash hit of last summer, right? And then went on to win all kinds of awards. Um, Teen Choice Awards and all kinds of stuff. Um, I think it won an MTV Best TV Series or something like that. Sure. Anyway, um, then this year we had 13 Reasons Why, which mm-hmm. nobody saw coming and has been kind of a secret, critically acclaimed smash hit. Regardless of what you think about the subject matter, people are watching it and loving it. Now we have this new show that's popped up that's another uh, Making a Murderer called The Keepers, which yep. is this true crime cold case investigation stuff. It's a smash hit, especially in the people that love that genre of content. So the interesting thing here is that Hastings, while they, he wants to take more risks like that, he wants to make more shows like that, rather than just continually do seasons of shows that are already hits. And I, part of me goes, yeah, but those are kind of your cash cows. They're your marketing dummies in the sense that they constantly bring people back to Netflix. The people, yeah. Orange is the New Black, House of, House of Cards, um, the Daredevil series, the, any of the Marvel series at this point, right? Yeah. Why would you want to quit making those? And I, I start to think, and I get, I switch into business mindset, and I'm like, those productions are probably huge payrolls. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of money that goes into those uh, at this point. And year over year, those salaries get bigger and bigger. Um, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a truly business motivation. May, I'm, what I'm hoping is that it's... A, a more of a drive to not continue a story longer than it needs to, but maybe focus that energy and, and finance on 
more original series and content for one or two seasons and then move on to the next thing. I, that's what I hope it's about. Yeah, and maybe try to find the next Stranger Things or the next 13 Reasons Why. I mean, how many, people, how many people do you know? They're like, dude, have you seen Marco Polo? No. Nobody. Have you seen Sense8? No, but I hear the Wachowskis do it, so it's got to be cool, right? Mm, maybe it's not. I, I haven't seen either of those. I, of course, they were in the queue, and I scroll right past them. I don't know what else to say about those. Uh, they never interested me. I'm sure there is some kind of fan base out there for them, but uh, you can buy them on iTunes now, I think. I'll tell you what, though. One of the things that all of those things have in common, though, uh, as far as their hits, their hits that they weren't sure about, take the Marvel things out of it, they're all original ideas. What does that tell you? People want original stuff. And speaking of unoriginal ideas, what if they put an Avatar theme park in a Disney theme park? Wouldn't that be what? amazing? Apparently it is. What did you hear about this? Uh, I heard people had to stand in line for four hours <laughs> for, for the most amazing ride of all time. It's, people are blowing it a little bit out of proportion. There's no way in hell I'm going to stand in line for two hours, much less four hours to ride one ride for 60 seconds. It's just not happening. And I I would... I would sooner slip my own wrists in a, in a in a lukewarm tub of water than stand in line for four hours yeah. to ride a ride. I, I just can't even fathom. I mean, apparently before the park even opened, the day that this ride launched, they were lined up at like four or five in the morning out into the parking lot. Where are our priorities in the world? <laughs> that's what I that's what I ultimately come back to. I'm, I can't prejudge anybody for standing in line for four hours to ride a ride, but I I have to in a weird way. Like, sure. where are your priorities in life? They need to get at, off at our point. lawn. Number one and number two. If you're waiting that long in line to sh- to watch this, they should at least show you the movie. That's the perfect length. I wow, agreed. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. They have TVs up, and I'm sure yeah. they do. Yep. But hey, once all this calms down, maybe we should take a uh, concession stand field trip to Orlando. I would be happy to do such things. You would have to also go on a field trip with my wife and kids who would never let me go to Disney World without taking them along. (laughs) So we can get a big camper and drive it across the country or just get on a plane. God knows I've got enough miles after this trip. Hey, uh, there's no real Marvel and DC movie news this week, but Josh Gad did sneakily tweet a penguin tease. This is not necessarily a compliment to say, but I think he would be a really good penguin because I, 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 he's got the kind of short, stocky look that would that would fit the role really well. Sorry, Josh Gad, if you're listening, I'm not meaning this as an insult, but you've you've got that kind of you, you could pull that off really well. I mean, he's known for playing these comedic characters like Olaf and uh, the guy from Book of Mormon. He was in the original Broadway thing and. And the quirky and the guy from the new Beauty and the Beast movie, and he's sort of always the comic relief. Um, but yeah, it might be kind of fun to see him go to the dark side a little bit. And it's tough. I mean, what do you have to live up to? Danny DeVito as the Penguin? That's, I mean, he was good in it. And then it's like Burgess Meredith. Okay, that's easy to sort of not be <laughs> as campy. I, I will say that Robin Lord Taylor, who's doing it on Gotham, is doing a pretty good take on it. At some point, I guess the Penguin would have to show up in this universe, right? Because we've already got Leto's Joker. Yeah, it, it makes me brings up the idea again that they're going to do another Batman kind of standalone film, or do we get into a sort of more rogues gallery kind of DC film, which I would mm. kind of what I, we hoped Suicide Squad would be, but it turned out to be the complete opposite. But at the same time, I think if you bring in a more of a Gotham kind of movie um, rather than just a Batman movie or a uh, a Wonder Woman movie. I think there's something specific that they could do in Gotham that would bring in the kind of the, you bring in the Falcons, yep. you bring in uh, Penguin, you mm-hmm. bring in uh, Riddler, 
you just have this kind of universe. And as campy and shitty as they were in the 90s, they kind of went this direction. They just went the wrong direction with it. So I would love to see that whole side of Gotham revisited again, and I think he could absolutely pull this off. But it makes me curious what the plans are that DC has in the bank for Batman. Yeah, Batman certainly has the best rogues gallery of any superhero, uh, Marvel or DC combined, in my opinion. Andy, you know something I'm really excited about is the, the slate for upcoming Godzilla films is really starting to take shape. And uh, yeah, I love monster movies, and this is... This is really exciting for me. So we've got the announcement of a release of another, the next Godzilla movie called King of Monsters coming in 2019. Hmm. And off the back of the recent King Kong reboot, I think we've also got word on a Godzilla versus King Kong that's going to come 2020 or later. There's definitely Uh, a uh, button in the Kong movie that makes you think that that's possible. So I will say that. Okay. Um, I, I, I couldn't be more excited about this. I, as much as people shit all over the the other the Gareth Edwards take on Godzilla, I think it was doing more prequel setup for the idea of having this and mm-hmm. making a friend out of out of Godzilla. If you really focus and pay attention on the end, it's it's a hard film to watch, it, it, I'll, admittedly. But the last twenty to thirty minutes of it really comes together and kind of sets up this stage where um, you could use Godzilla, you could call him. And I think that's the lore of it that we really wanted to get to. And I'm anxious to see what happens. Do we get some of the new, do we get Mothra? Do we get all of these these legendary characters, um, enemies of Godzilla, the monsters that he fights in these cityscapes? That's the kind of stuff I want to see us go to, and I hope that we get there. I will tell you, I think the Kong Skull Island comes out either this Tuesday or next Tuesday on iTunes or whatever. Check it out, and then you'll be able to, to to totally agree. You know, when I think of Godzilla and King Kong, I think of that uh, video game Rampage, and that yes. makes me want to talk a little bit more about video games! Andy, we are 10 days away from EA Play and E3, and All I cannot right. be more excited about that. Are you going? Oh, of course I'm going to go to uh, the EA Play, but remember, I couldn't get tickets for E3, unfortunately. That's all right. Nobody's going to be E3 anyways. Right, <laughs> except everybody in the video game industry. Yeah. Um, no, they do this. They started this year, or maybe last year, where they were allowing about 150 tickets to be sold outside of press and industry people. Um, and it, they're free tickets. You, I don't think you had to pay anything. You just had to get them first. And I just didn't get there soon enough. But no uh, before E3 starts, um, they're doing the. I think it starts on Saturday or Sunday this coming next weekend. Okay. Um, I'm going to go down to EA. I'm going to play some Star Wars Battlefront 2. Nice. I'm going to play some Need for Speed. Nice. And I think there's two other games that uh, EA is. Maybe the new Madden. I think the Tom Brady Madden is going to be out there. Very cool. Maybe and, the new uh, hockey. Uh, maybe the new hockey. I'm not sure. There's supposed to be four titles, and I know that two of them are Need for Speed and Star Wars. So cool. those two alone, uh, I'm, I'll geek the hell out over. Hey, did you get a chance to uh, to fire the or to dust off your Xbox and check out this new Xbox Live Game Pass thing? Have you tried that yet? I haven't because I haven't played it in so long. I actually allowed my Xbox Live subscription to expire. My, oh, my wow. gold thing. Yeah, it's I it's been a long time. Can't wait to get time. home and try this thing. Uh, I am I'm anxious. I'm curious because I want to hear some other perspectives and what games people are are available on there. I guess I'm hearing some really big titles like Gears of War three. Some of the some of the big 360 titles are available mm-hmm. um, and have been uh, the Bioshock games. Uh, those I would love to revisit. That said, I haven't heard about any much much more than that. So if they're all included with your Xbox Live Gold, which I believe they are, I think there's an extra ten bucks a month for this. 
Uh, okay, that might be a deal. I don't know. It, it'd have to be a really special game that I really, like an Uncharted caliber kind of, oh my god, I really want to go play that again uh, kind of thing to make me go do this. But I, or maybe I it's a, we'll Or see. maybe it's a game you've never played before and never got around to, you know? There's, there's that well. kind of thing. I mean, it's I think it's the closest we've gotten to a Netflix for games. I know that Sony has their other sort of thing, but uh, they're actually running out of uh, uh, PS3s because they're going to officially end production, right? Or they did officially they end production? officially ended production uh, as of last week, I believe. And the, the okay. kind of the last numbers that we ever heard them report um, was back in 2013, and they the last big number of total units sold was around 80 million wow. PS3s that were sold. Now, to put that in perspective... Um, to date, the PS4 has is already at sixty million. Huh. So we've had that was in twenty fourteen. Yeah. No, I think it came out in twenty thirteen, didn't it? No, or that's was right. Twenty thirteen. That's right. That's right. Because they stopped reporting on PS3 and started reporting on PS4. Right. So in twenty since twenty. So in the last four, not quite four years, they've already sold sixty million. So between two thousand six and twenty thousand thirteen, they sold eighty million PS3s. They've hmm. already sold. 60 million ps4s so i think that trend is going to continue especially now we've got the ps4 pro uh uh, xbox is coming out with project scorpio we're bound to see some news at e3 about the next gen consoles on both sides i'd be i'll be surprised if we don't um at least some sort of tease some sort of what it might look like in the future but yeah nick we can't go a week without you at least talking about your favorite game that you are currently playing and that would be overwatch yes uh, we had our one-year anniversary. I say we as if I'm a part of it, but it is a part of me. You are a part of it. <laughs> I am I am a part of the Overwatch team. Uh, no, it's it, we had the one-year anniversary uh, this week for Overwatch. They launched a whole new event, brand new loot boxes galore. Everything you do in the game gives you a loot box. It's, it's, it's rain and loot. There's all <laughs> kinds of... It, granted, it is all aesthetic stuff. That's just the nature of this game. It's not geared to defeat bosses. It's just aesthetic stuff. Um, which is still a lot of fun. They added some dance moves, emotes, things like that, um, that all make the game a little bit more fun uh, while you're sitting there waiting for your cue to pop. Um, that said, they did uh, introduce new maps that feel very much like Quake and Unreal Tournament style of maps. Really? Huh. Um, for, yes, uh, for these one versus one and three versus three PvP style of games. Um, and I got to admit, it's a lot of fun. It's like a best of three, best of five. Uh, type of scenario, whether you go in with two other friends or you go in solo, you, you're getting these new maps. So they these kinds are, are set up as arenas, not necessarily the payload-style checkpoints that you're used to with Overwatch. Yeah. So they're, they're bringing some new... Uh, they're bringing some arena aspects to over the world of Overwatch with the same characters. And this is something that I think is going to bring a whole different breed of player over to Overwatch. So I'm anxious to see where they go with this. There's another game that, that did come out that we've been talking about for a while. That Friday the 13th game came out uh, where you get to be Jason or people running away from Jason. And uh, I really want to play this. Did you get a chance to yet or no? I think I downloaded it, but this is number one priority on my list to play right now because if I'm not mistaken, it came out last weekend. Yeah, and I've just had a crazy yeah the Memorial Day. That's right, and I've just had a crazy busy week uh, between the website and all the other stuff we were talking about before. And I am I am aching to play this game now. It's apparently possible to kill Jason. Really? And yeah, and it, but it's not easy according to that. There's people that are doing like YouTube walkthroughs of where you've got to go back to his cabin and get his mom's sweater and oh, it's man. all this crazy That's stuff. That's so that, cool. 
And, uh, but there's what I've learned is that apparently you can't control who you spawn as, whether you're Jason or you're a camper. Oh. And that's interesting to me because I would want to spawn in as Jason every time and just go hack up a bunch of campers. But you apparently it's random. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I think I read that too. That you know you could play a whole night and just never get Jason. I think that could be an issue. It is getting great reviews from people that love the '80s horror movies and especially love that franchise. However, I've heard a little bit about it being unpolished. But um, this is it's the best Friday the Thirteenth game ever made. If you consider that horrible Nintendo game that came out in the mid '80s where you just ran around in circles and didn't actually ever do anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really want to try this. I don't know what the I can't remember what the the cost was if, if this one was a twenty or a forty. But um, if you get a, a a group of friends together, this could be quite a bit of fun. Now, what I will admit that I have a ton of fun playing, and it's sort of a guilty pleasure for me, is the Need for Speed games. Yes. I, well, we talked recently about driving simulators and those mm-hmm. sorts of games. Um, the Need for Speed games are arcadey enough but still have a little bit of an MMO style to them where you can modify your settings to do different things and you know weaponize your car or modify it to go faster or grip, grip better or drift or whatever, all of that stuff. I have a huge soft spot for these games. Uh, call it Fast and the Furious. Call it me having a, a Hot Wheels race car down in the garage, whatever that is. Uh, but I can sit and drive around in these open worlds and do these missions for hours on end. And speaking of these Need for Speed games, uh, there we do have official announcement of a new game coming later this year called Need for Speed Payback. It looks like it's in the same vein as the the other ones like Underground and Underground Two that were extremely popular, yeah, uh, ten or ten or fifteen years ago. So again, it's continuing that on. But Need for Speed Payback, I'm hoping this is the one that I get to play next weekend at EA Play. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I also have a guilty pleasure style of games that also had a release. Um, I have been a fan of the Tekken series uh, since uh, they originally started back on the original PlayStation and then the arcade. I remember playing Tekken and Tekken 2 quite extensively. I love the idea of being a panda and fighting a guy in a tiger suit um, or being like a dude that would do a bunch of capoeira and fight like a guy that looked like Bruce Lee. And it was just, it was a very easy and approachable fighting game for me. And I was never good at like Street Fighter or the Mortal Kombat thing, but those were kind of like side to side fighters where. Tekken had a bit of like a three-dimensional, like you could go around the map a little bit. And I don't know. I just, I yeah. picked up on it and yeah, you could learn the whole, like the combos and all that stuff. And, and, but I, it was, it, you could button mash and be okay. Look, Tekken seven came out this week and, uh, we're, it's also getting rave reviews. I will be getting this game when I come home. Um, they say it's very approachable for people that have never played it in our button mashers, or if you really want to get into that sort of like crazy combo stuff and, you know, become a Tekken character master. Uh, it, it's, it, that also works. Um, the lore behind these games has always kind of been intriguing for me. They've made a couple of really cool animes about it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about two fighting games in the last two weeks that I'm really excited about. We got the Injustice one with all the superheroes, and we got Tekken. So I guess I'm going to be playing a bunch of fighting games all summer while I wait for Destiny 2. Have you gotten to play uh, any of the Injustice stuff on your iPad or I just, whatever? I just, it's it's not nearly as what it is on the, on the console system. It's much more of a back and forth, tap the screen, and they punch. I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, yeah. throwing dudes across the screen and um, driving the Batmobile through their face on the fatalities and stuff, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, but I definitely want to play it. And uh, now that I'm thinking about things that I have a guilty pleasure for, one of my guilty pleasures is really starting to piss me off. Uh, and I have always been a Nintendo fanboy since you've known me, and I've I've carried the Nintendo banner, and and I bought the Switch on day one, and I was all about the Switch, and I brought the Switch with me to Europe, and I've barely played it because I'm so busy, but I haven't like been clamoring to play it because I have two games for it because I bought a system and two games for however much we spent on it. 
Blah, 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 blah. And Nintendo keeps punching all of us fanboys in the gut with all their stupid, idiotic decisions. And yet another one, as far as I'm concerned, came this week when they said, hey, guess what? You remember that Nintendo online service that you were supposed to get for your Switch this year? We're delaying it until next year. But we'll get to that in a minute. What we want to talk about is what this uh, this this thing really is. I need you to start talking before I start getting really mad. Go. <laughs> okay. So the online subscription thing was something that I know all of the Switch owners were looking for. And frankly, I had come around to considering owning one of these once the online component was dropped. I don't think I had talked to you about that yet. I, I nope. had resolved to, to buying one uh, just to be able to have that context and not have to rely on playing yours, right? So the idea that it would, this online was going to come out, it's only going to be, it was announced it's only going to be $20 a year as opposed to like the $50 or $60 a year like PSN Great. and uh, Xbox Live Gold. Fantastic. You can even do a monthly at like 3 or $4 if you want to. Fantastic. Where, the, where it started to get me a little bit, though, was they were paywalling the classic content. And this is still not a full-fledged virtual console yet. I want to make that absolutely clear. They have no comment on what the virtual console's future is, is what they yes, said. We, we have no comment on that at this time. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but what they, what they did tell us is that you can only play the classic games while you have an active subscription to the online service. And now they've come out and said that it's gotten delayed. So that said, uh, for we, uh, they are boosting. That's the bad news. The good news is uh, we are now into the second half of 2017 at this point. Right. We are, we are looking downhill at the holiday season coming up. And everybody is, you know, within 60 days are going to start, quote, unquote, Christmas shopping. Um, as crazy as that is, that we're already there. It's crazy. <clears throat> Um, but Nintendo did come out and say that they are boosting uh, production to make an additional 18 million uh, Nintendo Switch units for the second for the 2017 holiday shopping season to play three games to play Zelda <laughs> Mario Kart and then soon this Arms game that's coming. Oh wait, in Splatoon that's four. I wasn't going to say that, but exactly right. So pay five hundred dollars to pay to play one or two games. Uh, fine, we, we've been rattling about that for for a while, but these these. When they came out and said that they're going to delay the online service until 2018, I think that warrants a trip to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So, Andy, I am as as a Switch owner, I'm kind of looking to you to understand the ramifications of this and just how much. Feel free to get as pissed off as you want to because this is we're out in the lobby now. We're not in the in the actual theater where we're going to interrupt anybody. Um, but I want to know. I don't own a Switch, so I don't really have any context or opinion on this outside of what I've already said. I want to know as a Switch owner just how much you were looking forward to the online stuff and how much that influenced your purchasing decision at the time to buy it on day one. Oh, what was all that that you just said? Sorry, I just got here. I got delayed on my way. What? Oh, I have the Wii U. I have the 3DS. All of those things had a virtual console in it. Yes, I've bought Super Mario Brothers on those virtual consoles each time for like $2 or whatever it was, right? But you can't take your Wii U with you. You could take your 3DS with you, which I'll get to in a second. My thought was I'd love to have all these games in this portable system and be able to play it on my TV. This is the perfect platform for this to happen, right? No, you get to wait a whole nother year for it. That was one of the selling points when this thing came out and now they've delayed it and it's, uh, it's horrible. And 
why would you buy a Switch if you want to be a, an old school Nintendo gamer? Couldn't you just go out and buy a 3DS and just because the virtual console is still on that, right? And that entire yep. library is there. So you, if you want to play classic Nintendo games, you're not going to get a Nintendo Classic. We've established that because they, they made that dumb move, right? And you're not going to get a Switch. And you're you not going to get a Switch because you can't find them unless you're in Sweden. Um, but uh, who knows? And they um, stopped production on some of the 3DSs, didn't they? I, yeah, who knows? I just, you can't uh, find them, whatever that is. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm beside myself. But well, let's talk about this. Is this, is this something that's exclusive to video games? This concept of delay. We don't really see this happen in the movies. No, because movies have a release date. You know what? Star Wars is coming out on December, whatever it is, and that's the day it's coming out. The movie's either going to be perfect and done, or it's going to be as good as it's going to get until that day. Justice League comes out November 17th. That will not change. Whatever movie we get is the movie we get. And then maybe you get a director's cut later. Video games are way different. And we've had a lot of delays in video games that, of, of major titles over the last couple weeks. I mean, even last week we talked about Red Dead getting pushed back. Uh, South Park got another release date. Can we really think that that's going to be the release date if they say it's October 17th? Can we really believe that the South Park game is going to come out that day? I don't know. You know, I, I kind of... To go back to the movies reference for a minute, there was a featurette on the Lord. I think it was on the Return of the King extended editions where it has all the the extra features, extra scenes and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, there was a featurette on there with Peter Jackson where they were editing Return of the King. And they were literally editing the film. They were in his editing suite two days before the film released. Wow. And they literally carried the film canister to with they put a guy on a plane carrying that as a carry on mm-hmm. to the 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 place where the film released. Yeah, they used to happen all the time. And, <laughs> and then you look at the guy, the South Park guys, doing uh, six days to air, and every week they come up with a new idea and get a new episode out and all that kind. Of, I think you you're onto something there. There is a release date that happens in film and TV that if it if it if they don't hit it, you get what they've got. And I think there's a there's a polar opposite approach in video games. Something I refer to as kind of the Blizzard approach, where all of Blizzard games, if you ask them when something's coming out, their response every single time is soon. And I think that's kind of funny, but it's it's realistic. It's it's ready when it's ready is what they used to say a long time ago, twenty yeah. years ago. Yeah. Now you'll just hear, "Hey, when's the next expansion coming out? Soon. Hey, when's this new uh, character going to be released for Overwatch? Soon." And it, it commits them to nothing. And I think that is where a lot of video game and publishing houses have really made a mistake is falling into this concept of building marketing buzz uh, around the hype of a launch or a release. And that's where if we, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode, I think it was called Believe the Hype. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you guys want to go back and listen to that when we talked in more detail, but it's, it's this... It's getting them in trouble more than it's benefiting them by doing this because you're letting your consumer base down, and that's a big no-no. The weird thing about that is, though, like, for instance, yeah, Red Dead got got delayed and South Park got delayed. I mean, they're letting us down, but we're still going to buy the game. So they're not really losing any money. I guess it would affect their fiscal year because it didn't come out in the quarter that they originally like projected it to be, maybe. Um, but then you look at like um, times where games probably could have used a delay. Yes, we the, the Mass Effect situation earlier this year. You know, people say that that came out very unpolished and that it could have been better if they would have given it more time. But they were you know hard fast on we're getting that game out March twenty first or seventeenth or whatever that that was. I think it was the twenty first, right? Um, yeah. 
Well, I could bring up our old favorite game of all Don't time. Say Don't say it. Don't There's say it. NMS from last summer that could have used a couple more years of development, but instead No Man's Sky came out um, the way it was, and, <laughs> and that should have been delayed. Um, so I guess, you know what's happened is, you know, back in the day, you do, you weren't like, you know what? They didn't make big marketing campaigns about, you know, uh, Madden 2002 coming out August 8th. You know, that didn't happen. Right, it was yeah. just like you knew Man was going to come out in August. Um, it wasn't like uh, Zelda coming November, blah 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 of of this holiday season. Like back on the Nintendo sixty four, you knew it was coming out at some point, right? Um, because you read it in a Nintendo Power magazine, maybe. But they never had that hard fast date. They've stolen that from like the the movie thing. The movie industry is all about we own November seventeenth. We're Justice League, right? We own Memorial Day weekend. We are Pirates of the Caribbean. And we're also Baywatch. You know, it's that kind of thing, right? Nobody yeah. goes up against it. And that's kind of what they're doing is like carving out, um, you know, release days and trying to create that same sort of buzz. It's like we've always talked about how games are like, it's made this, it sold this many copies in the opening weekend, just like it sold this many tickets in the movie. You know, it's they're trying to compete with that, maybe. But you're right. This delay thing is, is kind of driving me nuts. And, you know, we got another delay announcement this week that we didn't even talk about. I forgot was that. Uh, season eight of Game of Thrones, which we thought was going to come out next year in 2018, may get delayed until 2019. Now, why did we think it would come out in 20? We assume we just assume because no, every no, year, yeah. just just like we assume that this, you know what I mean. So we can be sort of let down by that, but we're, it's not like we're not going to watch it in 2019. It's just I, I don't understand why we should be surprised anymore when Rockstar delays a game or when. Um, you know, like, okay, like, for instance, I'm extremely excited about uh, September 8th with Destiny 2, and Bungie has is, is always been good about their release dates. And the other thing, I guess, uh, now I think about it about games is you can hit a release date with a game and then just release a patch if it's terrible, right? And people still buy it. So I don't know where I'm getting at with this delay thing. I just don't like being duped, you know? I like people saying yeah. what, what they're going to do That's and then the doing it. And, and uh, you know, it's not like a fool me once, and but it is kind of at the same thing. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, you mentioned Destiny 2 in September, and I'm wondering if that had anything to do with the delay. I don't understand why you would not want to have your online service available for the holiday season from Nintendo for the Switch because that would promote sales. Yeah. I don't understand. Maybe, hopefully, they're having some legitimate infrastructure problems that they're still having to iron out. So that's why the delay. But if it's anything other than that, it makes no sense whatsoever because that would that would sell the shit out of all kinds of Nintendo Switches sure. for the holidays. Frankly, they're probably going to sell them anyway. Let's be clear. Let's be fair. Um, but I'm wondering if like Red Dead getting delayed, if uh, these other games that are getting delayed are because of Destiny. I'm wondering if it's having that kind of effect, and to your analogy of the movies, um, if they're timing releases based on certain dates so they can own a certain time period of the year. I'm wondering if they're starting to pick up on that as well. Um, I just think that they're they're over-anticipating uh, the, them getting these, these big titles done. Like, we know there will be a Call of Duty game in November. That'll happen. We know that Battlefront okay. will come out just before Last Jedi, or, you know, in, in, conjun- in conjunction with Last Jedi, because that'll just happen, you know? Um, but you know, when, like we said, Red Dead Redemption two, even when we heard about it, when they're like, it's coming out this year, you and I both said like, mm, is it, you know, cause that's what rockstar does. So I don't know. I don't know. I even know how to end this except to say that just the delays are a real thing. So it's, it's while we all want to believe the hype and be a part of this hype machine, we all have to kind of temper it with a little bit of like, mm, you know, suspicion, so to speak. 
Is it really yeah. coming out when it comes out? Well, one last thing I want to say about the the switch and why the delay is so crazy to the, to to even fathom that they're doing this. They are missing out on a huge opportunity to to kind of be a part of that um, or to be a mobile version of that all in one media center that consoles have sort of become. Exactly. And, and I think this is a huge, huge misstep for them because if you look at PS4 and you look at Xbox One, they're not just gaming consoles. Right. That you're playing, uh, you've got Netflix on there, you've got Pandora or Spotify, you've got the WWE Network, you've got Hulu. Sure. What if you could have all of that on your mobile Switch tablet? Yeah. That and would then- be amazing. And you can plug it in and out of your dock seamlessly. That, you don't have that with any of the other consoles. It continues to just astound me that they have not, they did not release this with some sort of online capability like that. Right. So, the, so if you want to, if you want to watch Netflix on your tablet right now, you turn your switch off and then you pick up your iPad or your phone and then you watch Netflix. Right. Exactly what you're saying. What if you didn't have to do that? That's what Nintendo should want is to have that product in your hand on the couch or on the go. I feel like we could beat this horse to death endlessly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're both bent out of shape about it enough to. I don't even own one, and I'm sitting here. I'm I'm sweating. I'm 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 furious about it. I just don't. It doesn't make sense in 2017 to come out with a game console that doesn't have internet connectivity. What's going on in Japan? I have no idea. Uh, I really don't. Uh, but uh, I guess we're gonna find out over the next six months what their plans are. Let me get to some fun stuff then about what's going on in Canada. Uh, Rick Moranis, good old Dark Helmet himself, has not been in a film for over 20 years or something like that. He sort of retired from acting. Um, and he is going to make a return appearance on stage, reuniting with Dave, uh, Dave Thomas. And uh, yes. I think he's going to play the McKenzie, uh, Rick or Doug McKenzie. And they're going to do a stage show that benefits, uh, I, f- I forget what charity, uh, but Rick Moranis will be acting again and playing one of the strange brew characters uh, for a stage. So that would be really cool to see. And I, you know, maybe it'll get enough traction that it would become a tour and the tour would just promote, um, uh, would just all be for charity. But uh, it's really kind of neat when you think of that guy being back as what a, what a great actor and character he was in so many of these, these great uh, cult movies that we love so dearly. Yeah. Dave Thomas's brother, um, actually was in a i believe a car accident of, of some sort where he was paralyzed from the waist down oh. so they're the reason they're they're coming back together is to do a benefit to uh to help him get the care that he needs um and this is a gr- this is a big deal because um they're not only redoing they're bringing the strange brew mckenzie brothers back together which actually started out as a saturday night live skit in the early mm-hmm. 80s which actually was the heyday of something that's known as Second City. Oh, yeah. Second SCT. City is a comedy sketch troupe based out of Chicago originally, which gave us all of the greats uh, that you know and love from late 70s, early 80s, Saturday Night Live. Um, so Eugene Levy, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ramis um, I, I could, uh, John Belushi, all of those guys came out of Chicago's yeah. Second City. And Rick Moranis and and uh, and Dave Thomas came out of there too. So that's the beauty of this. They turned this sketch into a movie called Strange Brew. How you doing, eh? You know, just yep. the Canadians drinking. Hey, we're drinking Molson Canadian and, yeah. and talking about hockey and their toques and and all just being Canadian. And it was hilarious. And it was a huge cult hit. Still is a cult a cult favorite. Um, but I think it's fantastic that they're doing this for for uh, Dave's younger brother. Um, and it's it, they're going to have Martin Short. They're going to have all these cameos and all these stars come back in for this huge benefit. And cool. it's going to be kind of this reunion of sorts of the original Second City troupe. And Andy, I think that will lead us into our lightning round. Okay. 
because of this reunion, because of the McK- in honor of the McKenzie brothers. Oh wait, I get penis. to do it this week. Okay, all right. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, okay, what do you but got? In honor got of here? in honor of the McKenzie brothers and their Canadian descent, right. I want you to name as many entertainers of Canadian descent Ooh. as you can. Go, uh, wrestlers: uh, Bret Hart, uh, Chris Jericho, Edge, Christian, uh, Lance Storm, uh, actors: Jim Carrey, uh, Michael J. Fox. Uh, who else? Martin Short, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, John Candy, uh, who else? Uh, Canadians. Uh, 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 Brian Adams. Uh, the Canadian government has apologized for Brian Adams on multiple <laughs> occasions. Uh, Ann Murray. Uh, who else? Uh, Richard Marks. Is he Canadian? Maybe not. He just sounds like it. Celine Dion. Oh, yeah. Celine Dion is Canadian. Uh, who else? Norm MacDonald, I think, is Canadian. Yes. I think I did okay there. That's a tough one. I'm yeah, going to think, think, think of a bunch, but I can't think of them now. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you had a lot of fun. I certainly did. Andy, I hope you did on the other side of the world. It's probably getting late over there for you. It's, it is late. i got to get up soon. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Nelson76. Uh, hopefully you get to watch Wonder Woman this week so I can hear how good it is and I can't see it until a couple weeks from now. We would love to hear what you guys think if you've seen it, but uh, until then, come over to orbitaljigsaw.com, look for a concession stand, and find all of our social media and subscription links where you can leave us reviews, leave us comments, and etc. Oh, and uh, if you missed the wrestling on this show, don't forget to listen to our other show that Nick does with Sir Ian Dangerous, Busted Wide Open, where they talk about all the uh, to-dos in wrestling each week. But until then, we'll see you guys next time. Later! Bye! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.